0: three two, three, four. You're listening
1: to Felony Podcast with your host, Dave Dahl, on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network, Also with us in the studio, Dave's partner in crime, Lad Justison,
0: and here's a man with a plan, leader of the band, buff and tanned, Dave, the killer bread man, Doll. Hey, thanks, Bob Miller. That's our first uh, our first voiceover from Bob Miller, the uh, the former. amazing dj here in portland uh talk show host now retired love bob Uh, so hey welcome to the felony inc podcast live from downtown portland oregon on a beautiful day in the great pacific northwest i'm your host a four-time loser who finally found a way to win i replaced what was becoming a habit of incarceration with education medication and eventually an honest occupation the creation of dave's killer bread But now I'm doing other cool stuff, like playing music with my band, the Killer Granddaddies, collecting a shit ton of tribal art, and trying like hell to keep up with my granddaughters who are growing up way too fast. Search Felony Inc on your podcast app to hear previously recorded episodes of our podcast. With me in the studio as usual is Portland's favorite flamboyant felon, Lad
2: Liberace Justison. What's up, buddy? Oh, that's quite an introduction, Dave, and I, I appreciate that. Looking so, out for you, brother. Nice, nice. So, hey, you know what? We got some cool stuff just happened uh, yesterday. We were down at Am, uh Correctional Institution in uh, in Salem, Oregon. We went into uh, business in a box. We got to meet all the, the guys in there that were uh, starting new businesses. And, uh, and yeah, it actually starting businesses in prison. In prison. Which is kind of a outrageous concept isn't it yeah it's crazy because you know in order to get into that class you actually have to have 50 bucks on your books and then you have to give that to those guys so they can go down to the secretary of state and file an official business for these guys and most of these guys are artists mm. you know they have some type of art that, art, that they're doing yeah or crafts um, jewelry crafts and mm. one guy um friend of ours' nephew, Lee Warren, uh, oh, yeah. was on a program. His nephew is in there, and he does I didn't even know that. airbrushing. Yeah. And he has an airbrush. They got all the tools in there for him, and uh, he does some airbrushing inside the institution, and they showed us a really cool um, uh, airbrushing that he did on a tank for one of the oh, officers. That's his, that's his nephew? Yeah. Oh, that was they, great shit. Yeah, that was really cool, man. Wow, you know, and how come none
0: of that... And, you know, stuff run out with that talent ran off or rubbed off on Lee. I don't know. Well, he's a chef. I mean. Well, well nobody. Oh, he's a chef.
2: Yeah. yeah okay. His food. Give yeah. a little okay. credit. We'll talk a little bit about his food sometime because he does make some good food. Hey, and I just want to mention that in studio today with us is our great friend, the owner and proprietor of Murder, Inc., downtown Portland. Speaking of talented Mark motherfuckers. Gilly. here he is. There he is there on your screen if you're watching
0: Facebook Live, and I recommend that you do, <laughs> because there are some handsome motherfuckers on the ed- other end of that camera. I mean, that end, not this end. Uh, so, <laughs> now, what else do we have? Oh, well, we're going to be doing, uh, the granddaddy's going to be doing a fundraiser on the 7th or the 4th? It's the 4th. On the 4th, uh, for emceed thrift store and outreach. And last night, okay, and, and if you want to, you know, contribute to a great cause, uh, spend $20 and come see us. And Trent Beaver, he's uh, look Trent Beaver up, he's cool. Um, come see us at this show and support you know, addiction recovery.
2: Yeah, you know, it was really cool last night, Dave. I was able to take Chelsea, who is, uh, her and her mom run that MC down there. Uh, I took her to uh, over to Discover African Art, your mm-hmm. place, and was able to give her a tour of the facility. And I saw her in action last night. Did you? We stopped at a store uh, so I could get a pack of those dreaded smokes that I do. Are you I smoke t- cigarettes? I do. Are I'm sorry. Bastard. But- Okay, so anyway, we were there, and there was this gal out front who, uh, obviously homeless, uh, doing, you know, obviously addicted to some type of drug, And there she was. Uh, she confronted this young lady, um, gave her her phone number so that uh, they could call, she could call them, and she said, "Hey, if you're serious." Uh, we'll come get you tonight. Give us a call, and we'll put you in a program. And and as we always say,
0: that is the only way that you can help anyone is if they're serious about helping themselves. So, and we're not about enabling anyone, even Mark. You know, Mark's been a knucklehead lately too. I don't even want to get into it. Oh, it's all those girls. Yeah, yeah all those girls. Okay. Well, um, we did visit that uh, business in the box yesterday. I'm really, I, I was blown away by what they're doing. Um, And that they do have some opportunities in there if you know you keep a positive attitude you can Accomplish things while you're in prison Uh, Anyway, let's get on to today's guest.
2: This guy is definitely a character. Oh, dude We talked to him before we, we came in the studio and this guy is gonna be one character He's a character with I would say a unique set of credentials
0: Larry Levine spent something like 10 years in the federal prison system. Before entering federal custody, Larry was a private investigator in Los Angeles, California. His prison consultant career began in 1998. was charged with racketeering, securities fraud, Obstruction of justice, oh, that's a bad one, and narcotics trafficking. Larry Levine is a member of National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers. Now, that's why I thought Larry was an attorney, but, you know, you know, looks aren't everything. The American Bar Association, the San Fernando Valley Bar Association, so that really makes him look like he's a lawyer. Uh, Larry is a graduate. Oh, lad, go ahead and do this part.
2: Okay, well, you know, Larry is a graduate of two ICF, International Coaching Federation accredited training programs, and is a certified professional life coach. He is, uh, is now director of Wall Street Prison Consultants and Coaching and has been a contributor to CNN, Fox, MSNBC and The Washington Post, The Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and several major news organizations providing expert information on federal prison and what people experience when incarcerated. Woo, I seen a video of him the other day on CNN, and this guy is something. Yeah, he's cracking me up, actually. Uh, he's pretty cool. Um you know, if, if you're out
0: there and you want to uh, have it as a reference as we go, his website is uh, Wall Street Prison Consultants. Is that right? Wall Street Prison Consultants.com. Is that right, Larry?
1: That's correct. And glad to be on the show with you today.
0: Welcome to the Pel- Felony Podcast, man. It's, uh, it's really an honor to have you. We. Uh, with the first thing I would like to do, Larry, is kind of lead into what got you started doing this sort of thing. Um, You you told us earlier about your jaywalking uh, beef, but uh, there must have been something lesser included that you you got in trouble
1: for, too. Well, okay, I do prison consulting now, federal criminal litigation, but let's take a big fucking step back to like the mid-90s. I was a private investigator in Los Angeles. I was doing all kinds of shit for shady people, because that's what you do in L.A. And I had some clients that were Italian businessmen on the East Coast. And they hired me to do some stuff, if you will. And eventually they became my sole client to the point that I was directing criminal operations in a three-state area. I was like an efficiency like that. I was an efficiency expert for the mob. They would bring crime to me, and I would make crime better.
0: We'll so bank for the buck. You're a consig- you know? so- consigliere of, of some sort. Consigliere. There an you go. Well, okay. I'm
1: Jewish. They couldn't make me. That's okay. All right. But, hey, you know, I was just a good friend of the family, if you will. There you were. But, uh, yeah. But I wow. ended up getting hit in a federal organized crime case. Imagine that. Hmm. And I was charged with narcotics trafficking, securities fraud, racketeering, obstruction of justice, and machine guns. <laughs> wow. That's And I dabbled deal. with shit. And I was <laughs> under investigation by a federal organized crime task force, ATF, FBI, DEA, U.S. Marshal, Secret Service. I think the Boy Scouts might have been in there somewhere, too. Everybody (laughs) had me on their fucking radar, and they were actually, they had a tracking device on my car. I found all this out from the discovery, and they were following me, like, all over Southern California, Nevada, and Arizona with a helicopter. I guess nowadays they do it with a drone or something.
0: Much more efficient. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, well, drone doesn't fall asleep. Mm, that's true but you know what? I know how to shake a tail if I had known I know how to shake a tail anyway even with you a, go to a shopping mall you park at one end you go inside they're watching your car you walk out the other end of the mall you got an Uber waiting you drive away and they don't fucking well, know
0: that won't but work it's that a won't whole work other story. If, if those guys you don't want to tell them all that stuff though right I mean let's, yeah, there's
1: ways to do it but yeah, I'm not going to get into it you figure out other anyway, ways. ways <laughs> yep. I, I know shit but I wish I could tell you I Hey, I coach my clients how to lie on the witness stand, (laughs) how to beat lie detectors, how to deal with federal agents. I mean, primarily, I know you want to talk about how I got to this, but I I provide a well-rounded service and education to my clients. I do damage control because people that come to me are already fucked. No question about that.
0: Every time. So
1: I tell him we're we're just going to pull that dick out of your butt a little bit. Can I say that on here? <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, lad, lad uh, is always taking a dick I out I of your butt. <clears throat> whoa, yeah. whoa,
2: whoa, but whoa. Anyway. Whoa. Ouch.
1: Ouch. Well, it is what it is. Anyway. So, <laughs> 1998. I'm doing my thing in L.A. I get approached by some guy that I had done a lot of criminal activity with for years. And he has a, his fiance has cancer. Comes to me, says that he needs somebody that can get him methamphetamine and that we pay him a large commission. So he comes to me, you know, he's hitting me up for weeks. Can you get this? Can you get this? Well, back in the 90s, how hard is it or even today to find drugs in L.A.? You know, especially with people I knew. Oh, yeah. So finally, all right, great, I'll help you out. Well, I ended up, he set me up to sell directly to the DEA. So I ended up selling an ounce, another ounce, a pound, then two pounds of methamphetamine directly to the DEA. Imagine that, guys.
0: So what was he, pissed off that it wasn't good enough or what? Or didn't like the drugs? Yeah, no,
1: He was setting other people up to get off on his own crime. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't get it. know that he was under federal indictment for mail fraud and some other shit. It never dawned on me. You know, we were printing traveler's checks and money orders and food stamps. We were printing U.S. currency traveler's checks. I had a guy that was printing traveler's checks for me out of Hawaii that was so good that you could call—he had the log rhythm code. Am I saying that right? Mm, You could call American Express with the traveler's check number, and they would verify that it was good, you know? You can't get any better than that, can
0: you? Probably not, but that's uh, kind of outdated now, right? It wouldn't work now with
1: all that. Yeah, well, you know what? If I did the shit today I did back then, they'd have to pipe sunlight into me because I'd be locked down so fucking hard. you know. But I end up getting popped. He sets me up. I'm standing outside an El Torito restaurant here in uh, Northridge, California, not far from where the earthquake was. I'm from the San Fernando Valley. Mm-hmm. So I'm there to do a drug meet. Seven pounds of meth, or maybe it was seven kilos. I don't fucking remember. We're talking, hmm. you know, August 3rd of '98. Chunk. That's when I got popped. Hey, my 20-year anniversary's coming up. You guys are all invited. Last year, I took everybody (laughs) to the El Frito restaurant on the 19th anniversary for drinks and dinner the same time I got popped, you know?
0: Right on. Uh, I want to hear more about your business, but go ahead and finish your story about how you got here.
1: I'll get to that. Okay, so I'm in the restaurant. He calls me, and I'm looking, where the fuck is this guy? I come out of the restaurant, I see him waving across the parking lot. And all of a sudden, he disappears. A few seconds later, I hear "Put your hands in the air!" Put your hands in the air. About a hundred agents or whoever they were pop out from behind vehicles, and they've got like machine guns and shotguns and pistols pointing. And I'm looking around, thinking, "Wow, something's going on here." Well, I didn't know it was me that was going on.
0: So, <laughs> what did I just walk at all into? This,
1: yeah, well, I'm looking around, and I yell over, hey, are you talking to me? And they are yeah, put your hands in the air. I go, hey, you lower your weapons. I'm not going to hurt you. It's okay. Now, they're not used to people doing this shit, you know? I wasn't really afraid. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Who knows about conspiracy? I thought they had to catch you with, like, drugs and shit on you. Well, they don't. So they're doing the federal shuffle, They're taking like three steps forward and two steps back. And I'm just like looking at them. I don't put my hands in the air. I'm holding my arms out to the side. And I say, all right, none of you trigger happy motherfuckers are gonna pull the fucking trigger on me. I'm gonna slowly get on the ground, but I want you to approach me very carefully. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I like took control of the situation like right then and there. So they all rush over to me, right? And I'm on the ground. They've got to do their theatrics, and they've all got their cute little windbreakers on that have the initials of their agency and their. You know, they're they're talking to each other by first name, and that's important that they're doing that because I'm I'm memorizing everything. Mm. This cocksucker says to me, "Do you know who we are?" And I said, "Well, like from the looks of it, you're part of some federal law enforcement task force." At this point, I didn't know what involvement. I didn't know that. They had recordings of me. They had been taking pictures. They had been following me. I didn't really know what was going on because, again, I didn't have anything on me. I didn't know they had been building a case on me. But that's what the feds do. They build shit on you, then they wait to fuck you. But you know that. Oh, yeah.
0: The state does it, too. So.
1: Yeah, but the feds got more time
0: and money. Yeah, yeah. They got more resources. You bet.
1: Feds will just print more money.
0: <laughs> yeah, like your guy in Hawaii. Yeah. So you, you know, hey, a, our
1: money, hey, our shit was good. We even had special paper. We were putting it in like a laundry dryer with stones <coughs> to make the money like gritty and shit. We knew what we were doing.
0: <coughs>
1: Love
2: it. All right, Larry. So here, so here you are. You get busted. You go to. You go to. You know, they take you in custody. So. I know your business uh, now that you do, it's, it's kind of like you know, you're giving other people um, kind of information on how to approach that. So here you go, you get in there, now, now um, all this information you're getting from going to prison, that's what your business is about now, right?
1: Right. Well, it started about three years before I got out of custody. Mm. where I was actually a good little inmate. You know how that is, doing what my part, if you will. Mm. But then people started coming to me for help. And I just took a step back, took a look around, and most people in custody sit around, they watch MTV, jerk off, and play cards. That's right. That's a fact. And dominoes. Well, I spent my time in the law library. You know how those people are. And I learned the system. I learned what works, what doesn't work to the point I would have staff come up to me and say, can we do this? Because they knew I knew their policies better than they did. And it gave me like a big power base within the federal prison system to the point I was moved around over a 10-year period to 11 different federal prisons. You know, what's the easiest way to deal with a problem? Just get rid of them. Send them somewhere else. Make this asshole somebody else's problem. And that's kind of what they did with me. And my claim to fame in the feds I was at the federal prison in Las Vegas at Nellis Air Force Base when it closed. And they moved me and about 300 people to El Paso, Texas, to Latuna Federal Prison. And that's anything you can think about a Texas prison, well, that place was that. And I was near the end of my bid at this point, but they moved all these other people along with me outside our custody and security level, more than 500 miles from our home of record, And they said, you people are stuck here. There's nothing you can do about it. If you don't like it, go ahead and sue us. Hmm. Well, we're in a town hall meeting. I had 300 people turn around, look at me. And I just smiled. Okay, well, about three weeks later, oh, here's your 91-page class action lawsuit, assholes. I filed a federal class action habeas on behalf of everybody.
0: You guys asked like for it. You asked for it. You got it.
1: Well, later they asked me, why did you do this? Well, I pointed to this case manager. No, she was a unit manager. I some dyke bitch. I said, well, this wasn't my idea. This was her idea. She said, we didn't like it. Go ahead and sue them. Oh, here you go. Well, this really where we lit them up. And I was... Uh, Shit, I made the news while I was in prison. Associated Press, El Paso Times, Houston Chronicle. I mean, it's uh, something completely different. I was I everywhere.
0: Wow, it's a great, this is a great story already, but uh, we had to take one quick break. Lad, go for
2: it. Here we go. CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, text, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. And you can find them at cpadudes.com slash radio. Wow, glad you're getting better and better at that, son. What do you think, huh? Not bad. What do you think, Larry?
1: Well, you know, if you drifted like this, uh-huh. got into your radio voice, you'd say, Hi, we're live here on the air with the Felony Podcast. Today we're going to talk about this company. No, you sounded good. So, That's my I, radio voice.
2: I do that. I, it's, hey, there, groovy guys and gals, come on down to the Look Like Dave contest. Yeah,
1: um, like Dave podcast today. Yeah. Today we're going to be giving away a new car with Dave if you could answer three simple questions.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, nobody knows the answers to those questions. And nobody... hey, you
1: people, uh, your listeners should join. I'm going to be doing my crime. What am I doing today? Street justice with Larry Levine on hmm. BBM Global out of New York. All um, right. You can find that. Yeah, I do my show every Friday. It's a two hour show. Wow. And I have people call in and we argue about shit, talk about crime, things that are going on in the news. Uh, shit, a couple of weeks ago, I had 12 people call in at the same time, just jumping into each other's shit. That's and I have several cool. thousand people listening in on that show. I
0: might See, have. To I like be one of those to,
1: guys. I encourage dissension. Absolutely. I want to let people get their message out. I want people to argue. You get that shit out. I guess I'm just kind of like... I'm kind of like an asshole. It's all about making a difference.
0: It's it's all in the name of making a difference, you know, so... Hey, you
1: know what? It's like I get all these motherfuckers calling me that need help. They're going into custody. Are we still live?
0: Yeah, very live.
1: Oh, all right. I have these people call me that need help. And I get the child molesters. You ever get the chomos call you need yeah, help with something?
0: Yeah, lad's always calling me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well,
1: what I do is I tell them, well, you know, there's not really much I could do for you, but I'm going to give you some free advice. What you need to do is pray. Because mm-hmm. you're going to get beat up every
0: fucking day. <laughs> now, really you know, so. that's
1: not really true. They're really no. not.
0: No, but we wanted to but think I that.
1: I told them that. I want them to go in there scared, so maybe they'll
0: like commit suicide or something. Well, you know, that's most, my way of back to protected. the community. They're mostly protected, but But here's the deal: I'm. Uh, I gotta. I gotta interject that I believe uh, I'm one of those people that is all about looking at the glass half full. So I uh, like to espouse that you know I've seen child molesters change their ways. Um, you know, I used to be one of the many and uh, of the majority of inmates who looked down upon them and found them to be, you know, ridiculed them. And some some people even uh, went into their cells and stole from them and beat them up. Uh, I wasn't one of those guys. But I... You know, I've gotten over the judgment. I don't judge people anymore because you I look what? at myself. You're into what we
1: call, re- Dave, you're into redemption now.
0: That's right. And because of my redemption, because of my turnaround, I was able to uh, create a product that was very successful. Um, and I couldn't have done it any other way. So that's, that's my story. But that, we're not talking my story right now. Uh, your opinion is... Is what we're what we're all about. Not to, your your history, your experience, and your opinions are
2: are very valuable. Yeah. So, Larry, here here's where you know. So you're in there, you're filing lawsuits, you're doing all this kind of stuff in there. So, what was the point where you kind of said, you know what, I can make a business out of this?
1: Wasn't my idea. It was all the other inmates' idea. People coming to me like, wow. I wish I'd have met you before I came in, and you could have worked with me and worked with my lawyer. And I'm thinking, oh, shit, I could turn this into a business. That's all. So, matter of fact, I fucking will. The prison system, check this out. They try to release me six months early just to get rid of me, right? Because <laughs> I'm a fucking thorn in their side. And I tell these motherfuckers, I'm not leaving I'm staying, and I am going to screw you fucking people right to the last minute. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you step by step how I'm doing it, and there's nothing you can do to stop me, nothing at all. And I did, right to the last fucking minute, because I knew that I was going to be running this business when I got out. Now when you guys got released you got gate money, didn't you? Did you get anything? They give you your little check or something? No, nope.
0: Sh- didn't get shit. But I did have I think I had a few bucks left over from working uh, Well,
1: they hey they tried to give me a total of three dollars and fifty cents when I got out. That was my gate money. <laughs>
0: yeah a cup of coffee.
1: And I told this I told this cocksucker in R and D, this lieutenant said, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not authorized to accept your funds. He's like, looking at me, you're what? I said, I'm not authorized to accept your money. And he goes, well, you have to take the money. If we don't take the money, we don't have to release you. And I stood up and I got nose to nose with this son of a bitch. And I pointed to the clock. It was like two o'clock. I said, see that fucking clock? Today is my MR date, my mandatory release date. You don't have a fucking choice. You have to release me. I can't be on your 4 o'clock count, so I don't give a shit what you do. Shove that $3.50 up your ass. And I told them I was going to fuck them right to the last minute, and I did.
0: Well, and so um, your business started by charging people coffee and envelopes, right? Or uh, postage stamps to to help them out, right? Or was it?
1: Well, that's when you're in custody. Yeah. I mean, I was like running part of the black market where people were paying me with cigarettes, postage stamps, uh, packs of mackerel, coffee. They don't have cigarettes anymore, and they're away from postage stamps. Now it's metered mail. But that was like the currency inside. When you were in the state, you were what, in the uh, Oregon
0: DOC? Yeah, part of the time.
1: What was the currency in there?
0: Well, uh, over the years, I mean, with all the different sentences I did, um, in the 80s it was cigarettes. Uh, then it was um, coffee and, uh, and envelopes. And envelopes uh, pretty much was envelopes and coffee toward the end there. Yeah, And that was in the right. early 2000s. Well,
1: I would also do... I did a lot of legal work for people inside, people that were going through divorces. They had custody issues, child support. I would get people out early. I would do habeas corpuses, motions to vacate correct sentences. I'm i inside. I'm getting people transfers. I'm getting people medical care. So I'm really, like, prepping myself for my business before I get out. Now, when I would hit an institution, I would buy like a set of items at the commissary, and I would have a receipt for all this shit because they would come by and check your stuff out to make sure that you really had a receipt for stuff, you know, that you weren't running a business, that you weren't stealing from people. So I'd buy all this crap when I got somewhere. I'd keep the receipt, and then when people would, i do legal work for people, I would just have them replace the items that I already had. Makes sense. And it drove the cops nuts because they couldn't figure it out. It's like well we know he's doing something but here it is so I had my game on while I was on the inside and I started just about before I got out they uh, put me on Conair you guys ever fly Conair
0: yes a couple times there, there was uh, uh,
1: isn't that fun the way where, was, where did you pick it up
0: at I uh, see the first time was from Detroit Michigan to Portland I got arrested in Detroit And the second time from Portland to um, Logan Airport in Boston. Did
1: you ever uh, do a layover in Oklahoma City at the transfer center? No. It's an airport run by the federal prison system. It's actually pretty cool. Where you walk off the plane, just like you're at the fucking airport. Because the prison is right there on the runway almost. You walk off the jetway from the plane right into the prison. And they unshackle you and shit. So I'm like, I'm the first one in my family to fly on Conair. Anyway, (laughs) so they move me out of. They give me a three day bus ride out of El Paso. This is near the end of my bit. This is where this all starts. They were so pissed off at me suing, they move me to the transfer center. They put me on a a federal prison transport bus. You ever been on one of these? Not a Fed. It goes through several states. It stops in every little fucking county, jail, and prison, dropping people off, picking people up, and you're, you're handcuffed, you're belly chained, you know, black box the whole nine yards, Sweet. eating Gainsburgers and donkey dicks, whatever they decide to feed you. So Reno. they pull me into Oklahoma City. At this point, uh, Fox News wants to talk to me, but they're moving me around to hide me from the news media. They don't want the news media to get to me. You know, at that point, Timothy McVeigh hadn't been given the golden needle yet or whatever he got. They were able to get in and talk to Timothy McVeigh that blew up a building, but they couldn't come in and talk to me because I was considered a threat to the system, the running of the system. So I spend about a month in Oklahoma City after my bus ride. They send me on a Conair flight back to California, and they put me in half-federal prison. It's actually a private prison near Bakersfield. Probably one of the nicest prisons I would had ever been to. Great showers. The food was good. Central air conditioning. And I said, you know what? If I could get a couple women a bottle of booze and a cell phone, I could live here. This is wonderful. This is like fucking paradise.
0: What if it was just one and, woman? Could you, could you get by with just one?
1: Well, you know what? I would... Um, if she colored her hair and changed her outfit, maybe every once in a while.
0: Yeah. Yes, there yeah. Go.
1: There you go. You know, you- some of the you know the staff members they had in these places, these chicks were so ugly that they would have to pay me to do them. Wow. Hey, remember that escape remember the escape out of New York three uh, about three years ago? The guys that escaped, Matt and Sweat?
0: Right, I missed that, I think.
1: Yo, how could you fucking miss that, Dave? This was big news. The two killers that escaped, they had yeah. a massive multi-state manhunt for these guys?
0: I just was totally well, not anyway. paying attention.
1: Okay, well, anyway, I'm on, uh, you know who Dr. Drew is?
0: Yes. Oh, yeah.
1: Okay, so we've got a common ground now. we both <laughs> know something together. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm going on the news, and I'm talking about the staff member that helped this these guys. I don't know who it is, but I described what her age would be, what she would look like, and what her relationship would be. I called it right down to a T. Doctor Drew said I was Nostradamus because I was predicting the future. And it came out exactly what I was what I was saying. To the point, the FBI gets a hold of me and says we need you to stop going on the air because you're interfering with our investigation. I'm just doing this shit off the top of my head because I know the system. I know the mentality of the staff. You saw sexual relationships between inmates and staff, didn't you?
2: Sure.
0: Oh
1: yeah. What were the, the women? What did the women generally look like?
0: They were ugly as hell. They look like lads.
1: Fat and ugly and dumpy. Because on the outside nobody give them a second look, but on the inside they're like yeah. a princess. Yeah. So, they, anyway,
0: every one of them had a face so they for they radio. Move we'll me back to California. I'm over
1: at Taft. I'm helping people. And that's where I eventually get released from. They send me to a halfway house in L.A., actually in Hollywood, Western and Sunset, where all the crack whores are and drug dealers and shit. What a place to put a halfway house, huh? <sighs> and I'm still in custody. I'm driving every day out to the San Fernando Valley. I'm working at a friend's business. I got a computer on my desk. So, you know, I hadn't been on, you know, the last thing I'd done was Windows 95. The internet was a whole new world to me. So I start building my first website, American Prism Consultants. thought it was a cool name. I get that site up and running. The BOP, the Federal Bureau of Prisms, finds out about it. I don't know about Google or search engines or anything. Not yet, huh? And I get indexed. Now, I'm still in custody, so they send the marshals out to violate me for running a business. Check this out. Running a business while you're in custody. And I said, well, you people told me to prepare for my release, so this is what I'm going to do. Matter of fact, I put this on all my paperwork. You know how you feel shit out and they never bother to read what you're putting on paper? Well, this is what happened here. I told them exactly what I was doing. Nobody ever looked at it. Eventually, I guess the B.O.P. found out about it through Google or something. Jack me up running a business without, you know, while you're in custody. They take me back to MDCLA. I finish out the rest of my halfway house community custody tour in there. They can't do anything to me because I hadn't lied. I, I made them aware of this. It was their own fault for not looking at the shit. Anyways, so I get out and... Maybe about a year. Let me see. 2007, middle of 2007. I get April 2007. I'm out, and the mortgage financial crisis hits. Oh, yeah. I'm running American Prison Consultants. I'm helping, doing a lot of 2255s. You know what that is?
0: No, but I'm guessing you're. A motion it's related. to correct,
1: modify, or vacate the sentence of a person in federal custody.
0: So, so you were, you were taking in, care of a lot of really bad guys. the guys that people would hate, right? You were helping them. You
1: know what? I did. I picked and chose, though. I was like, if I couldn't help somebody, I would tell them, there's nothing I can do to help you. Yeah. But I would help people out that their lawyers dumped on them, their families dumped on them. They were on their last fucking leg.
0: Sure. You, know, Remember, you were, helping the, system. You were helping, helping the system work. I get it. It makes sense.
1: Well, I started this shit to help people. I mean, yeah, I'm making money. I want to make money, but my whole thing is people, you know how the lawyers are dump trucks. Families don't give a shit. People fall through the fucking cracks. That's right. If I can make a difference and help somebody, I will. And that's what I do. I do damage control now.
0: Hey, this is is great. I got to bust in for just a second. We got to do another break. Um, Oh, yeah, go ahead. This is going really quickly. Um, We haven't got to a lot of things yet, but this is is, I mean what you're providing is great information I wanted to say anybody out there who? um, Isn't listening on the podcast App is not going to hear a lot and not going to understand that we're talking to somebody on the phone here so um, Everybody that's uh, I'm just trying to let you guys know that you're all a bunch of dumbasses I mean that you don't know what's going on uh, anyway... You
1: don't want to call them stupid motherfuckers? Yeah, <laughs> stupid
0: motherfuckers. Thank, thank you for, oh, That'd be rude. You no, know, I, I, I love all those people, so I really don't mean that. Uh,
1: you no, know, I love all your listeners, too. And if you guys... If you need help, all right? This felony podcast is a good thing, what they're doing, getting the word out. But if you've got a legal question, your lawyer's jacking you off, and you really want someone to answer your question, give you an honest opinion... Remember, I'm not a lawyer. I can't give you legal advice, but I can explain the law to you, the ramifications of what you're doing, and tell you, well, if it was me, I would do this. Call me. 8555-PRISON. 8555-PRISON. Special operators are now standing by.
0: Yeah. <laughs> ah. You know, uh, I I wish you'd have been around back when I needed you, but, uh, hey, it, See? you can help See? That
1: is somebody. the same. Listen. That is the same fucking thing I hear from people every day. I wish you had been around then. This is what the inmates were telling me inside. I wish you had been around then. And this is why I I do this shit. Because I want to help people out. I want to give back.
0: There you go, buddy. I I actually um, have always been more about, okay, transforming the person. That's more my... Mindset. You're going to help the person avoid uh, the serious consequences, or figure out how to make those consequences not be as bad. Uh, and that's that's a meaningful thing. Um, it's different. You're it's
1: what we call Dave, you're into what we call reentry strategy. I am.
0: I'm trying to figure out solutions for these folks who can't, who come out of prison and can't get a place to live. For one thing, uh, the jobs are, are hard to get. Good jobs are even harder to get. So uh, anyway. what
1: we need to do is we need to create something to give them jobs, to give them hope, to
0: well, give I wanna, them a leg up. I want to hear more about that, okay? But I'm gonna, I have to break this for a CPA dude says, so, no, that's not it. Hey. Today's episode of Felony Podcast is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this. Press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. Also, listeners, please leave felony. Inc. podcast a review on iTunes, so we might read your review on the air, motherfuckers. Okay, so can we start where we left off? I think you were going to provide us, you know, some maybe some uh, solutions. Solutions for
1: people coming out of custody?
0: Yeah, well, I, maybe you can help with some of the things that I'd like to talk to you about. What do you know about changing the system? And, uh, uh, you know, helping people do better coming out of prison.
1: Well, okay. People inside, as I said before, sit around watching MTV, jacking off and playing cards. What people need to do is prepare for their release the day they enter custody. They need a plan. I walked around that fucking prison, all the prisons. My best friend was a clipboard, a legal pad and a mechanical pencil that I was always thinking, I'm always thinking now, Mm -hmm. looking for opportunity. Remember that I had a prison psychiatrist say that I treated the prison system like it was my own personal adult amusement park. Mm -hmm. That I just had such a great time in there. I didn't have any fucking responsibility. Not really, you know? Uh, When I was in Lompoc, California, I was getting paid $700 a month by the prison system. I was the highest paid inmate out of about 4,000 people. Worked for the Commissary Trust Fund. Gave me a lot of juice. Got caught up in a political beef between staff members. You know who the staff hates more than the inmates? They hate each other. I was doing too much of the staff's work. They weren't doing enough of their own. I had medical limitations. So, this son of a bitch fucks me to fuck some other staff. I bring in eight U.S. senators, five congressmen, the FBI, and internal affairs. Said, all right, motherfucker, you just violated my rights, and you did it under color of authority. Matter of fact, here's where you are in the U.S. sentencing guidelines. <laughs> so, at that point, that you like that huh yeah they didn't I did. like Turn around on
0: them. yeah they're all criminals anyway hey right? they gave
1: me a listen these fuckers gave me a plane ticket gave me a furlough and said just leave <clears throat> just go by the way they released I wanna, me
0: i want to qualify that last statement i made I, i've met some really great corrections officers <laughs> so that i did too on. yeah but I've hey, I got some,
1: some really fucking, fucked up ones. I've got on my Facebook page, I've got former prison and active prison staff from the feds I met. I think the shit I do is wonderful. They hate the system and it needs change and they know that I'll help bring change about. But point I'm trying to make is that while I'm in custody, I'm thinking and I'm planning. You have an opportunity when you're locked up that you don't have when you're on the street. You got no bills to pay. You've got paid housing, medical. You've got food. You got to do some stupid little job. Well, okay, you got to do that on the outside anyway. Well, a lot of people don't you know, realize when
0: know. a lot of people don't realize when they get out, it actually gets harder.
1: Well, it does. It's easier. I tell my clients going in, don't tell your family how, don't tell them how easy it is on the inside because they're struggling on the outside. They don't want to hear how you're sitting around watching MTV, sipping cappuccino and uh, playing volleyball.
0: <laughs> well, that's right. And you and you made a point last night about how uh, the worst thing is just how boring it is to do time. Uh, for the most part, that's what happens. It's, it's really boring. It can be very depressing. And uh, You're you, you about that. Yeah, it's Groundhog Day over and over again. And I mean, until you realize that you can do something with your time, besides, you know, sit around playing cards, uh, you know, I mean, working out's great. It's a good thing. There's certain things you can do as you go. And then.
1: Well, you have, listen, you have that downtime that society doesn't have. Right. Or Take advantage. You don't have the pressures. You can think and you can plan, and you're going to meet people. You know this, both of you. Mm-hmm. You're going to meet people you wouldn't normally meet, and they're not all bad people. It's just people that made poor decisions. You think Bernie Madoff said when he was born, hey, I'm going to go rip a few billion dollars off. Now he got into a bind on something. Got in a little too deep. He cut some corners, and it spun out of control. I don't believe he started with malicious intent, well, like how that. How
0: did his prison time go? I, I saw you talking about it last night before you went in. How did how has, has his prison time gone for him?
1: You, you cut out. What was your question?
0: Well, um, Bernie Madoff. How did he do in prison, or how has he done in prison? I don't even know if he's still around.
1: He's done actually pretty well. He's working, or he's been working, or has worked in the commissary. He's at a he's at butner. He's never getting now, that's for sure. But, um, in fact, I told this host on Fox, I pissed the chick off, who were talking about his sentence. And I said that, well, you know, he's got a 100 and whatever years, I think something like that, 80-some years, I don't know. I says, but they say the rich live longer. I said, so hell, maybe he will get out. Who the fuck knows? But... He's he's worked in the student store. He's been working in the commissary. He's got some friends. I understand that he's giving investment advice, working in the education department as well, teaching people finance. I mean, the guy's a fucking crook, ripped a bunch of people off, but that doesn't uh, negate his knowledge, his wanting to help others. And I can appreciate that as I'm sure you could as well.
2: So, you know, um, Larry, that's a point that I'd like to, to get, get to, and that is, you know, now that your, your business, um, while you were in there, of course you were helping these guys get out, but now part of your business is advising these guys that are going to prison on what to expect and all that stuff. And can you give us an idea about that? And I'd also, I'm curious well, about some of your high-profile clients, if you could tell us a little bit about them.
1: A little bit. Let's just say, hey, the no last most high-profile clients I had were the uh, the Hells Angels, some high-ranking members. I just helped them get off on a whole bunch of stuff. But anyway, you guys know what uh, you know what a focus group is, right? Sure do. Okay, I held focus groups with inmates while I was in custody because I knew I was going to do this what do you think is important what's not important what is it you would want to know i put that all together into something i call fed time 101 looks like a college course and i've got it on the wall street site an outline a different you know, a syllabus for fed time 101 well everybody has a question people that are going in the only thing is they don't know what to ask they're getting opinions and advice from people You know how that is, but the people they're talking to have never spent one fucking day in custody. Not really. So they're getting unqualified opinions telling them what's going to happen to them. Well, you've got uh, former prison officials trying to run the kind of business that I have. They're going to tell you what should happen, and they're absolutely right. Academically. I'm going to tell you what really happens. From the day you're indicted, they kick your door down, the FBI comes in like you're Bin Laden's little brother, to the point you make bond, you've went through the judicial process as far as discovery, you're on pretrial, you've been indicted, you've got a criminal complaint, you're going to get a plea agreement, you're going to get a PSR, sentencing memorandums, judgment and commitment orders, psychological evaluations. I walk them at that stage, through the system. So they, because you know how the lawyers try to make everything like a real mystery and shit? Well, I simplify it.
0: Job security.
1: In terms, terms that people can understand. This is what, how, and why. I educate people. Then I can get people out early through a program called RDAP, Residential Drug Abuse Program. It's only for the feds. If they meet a certain criteria, I can get a psyche eval done on them, get them pre-qualified to get out of custody early. You know that costs money to do. A lot of people don't have money to do that. Sometimes I can get it done for nothing, or people subsidize it, or something. But I get people prepped and get them qualified for programs so they can get out of custody early. All right. But somebody's going in. I'm going to help somebody get designated to the right institution near their home. That has the right programs that they may want to take as far as education. Make it convenient for their family members to come visit them. Maybe they need medical care when they go in. Could be for any of a number of reasons, but I'm giving them, I'm doing damage control. I'm teaching them about the system as far as what happens, jobs, education, housing, transfers, early release. Well-rounded. How to deal with gangs. How to deal with staff members.
0: How to be light delay
1: fines. Tests. Yeah, that's uh, that's pre-custody. <laughs>
0: you know. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm hey, a here's
1: behind. a detector. Here's what you do. Just quickly. Okay. You ever take a poly of either of you?
0: Yes, I have. All
1: and, right. And so I, you know it was how they ask you all questions ahead of time. What's that? Well, of course oh, they are. Yeah, but, they, you they, they know, try to test
0: they try to test you. They test ask you the question. Right. A truth. They ask you the questions ahead of time. They're they got to prove whether questions. you're lying or they got to prove what you act like when you're lying and what. They
1: want to yeah. show if your answer's a lie or it's truthful. They right. can. They try to set a basis. But when they ask you a question, if you bite down on the back of your tongue and they don't see you doing it, it causes pain. Mm-hmm. What that's going to do is make their little fucking needle go haywire. This is just the condensed version of it. To the point they can't read if it's like the true, uh, it's a good answer, bad answer, you're lying, you're telling the truth. You want to fuck it all up right from the beginning, the control questions, and they can't read you.
0: Yeah, mine was, that's what happened with me. I I couldn't sit still. I just wouldn't sit still. And this was maybe 25 years ago before a lot of things happened. But uh, the only, you know, they wanted me to tell on actually a corrections officer who was doing me a favor. And I wasn't willing to do that, but uh, of course not. They uh, they did give me a lie detector test, and I, I lied, and um, they just it was inconclusive due to the fact that there was no consistency in my behavior. Pretty sure. Yeah, they hate that. You
1: know, it's like
0: people going into the
1: feds. They want everybody to rat on each other in a federal judgment and commitment order. It's called a and I think it's called that in the state as well. There's a condition in there that says you are subject to General Order 318A. You will not act as an agent of law enforcement without the specific permission of the court being the judge. Now, you know how nobody ever reads all the paperwork and the fine print? Well, I did. So I'm in custody, and these, their cops are coming to me, and they want to question me all this shit. And I go, you know, I'd really like to help you out, but I'm under a court order. I can't assist you. And I threw General Order 318A at them, and they're scratching their fucking heads. They're not knowing what I'm talking about. I pull my paperwork out, and I show them. I go, but I'll cut a deal with you. If you want my help, why don't we contact the court? You get a hold of this judge here who sentences me and ask the judge for permission to question me, and then I'll be more than happy to help you. Now, you know they're not going to contact the court, are they? Of course not. Mm -hmm. So... On one hand, I'm I'm willing to help. On the other hand, I'm giving them my best fuck you smile because it ain't happening, buddy. There's nothing there. They're scratching their heads again. He got us again. There's nothing we can do about this shit. That's crazy shit. But you know what? Prison is a lot of respect and common sense. When you were in custody, I mean, you were doing life on the installment plan, as we call it. Yeah. You did. How many different sentences you were bouncing in and out?
0: For me, it was four for 15 years. And, and Mark, oh, there you go. See? Mark was a bunch of times too for seventeen. Well, you know, I did Dave, straight ten. Yeah, I did straight twenty.
2: Yeah, and you know, you know, Dave, we're getting to the end of this uh, the segment, but I'd like to ask Larry one more question, and that is, simply, Larry, I know that this is a business for you. I know um, from talking to you that you're a hustler. You've been a hustler your whole life, but on uh, the other side of it. Um, is part of what you do here um, because you have a heart for these guys because you've been through the same thing.
1: That's why I started it to begin with. I want to help people, people that can't get – kind of like the A-team. Remember that when you have no one else to turn to? Hmm. Fucking call me. I'll give you my opinion, and I have a qualified opinion. This is why the news media calls me for everything, because my opinion counts. They want to know. I'm not going to give you a fucking hand job, tell you what you want to hear, and steal your fucking money. I care. I talk to family members of people inside all the time. Don't charge them a fucking dime. Because I'm not going to see people get railroaded. Not on my fucking watch.
0: Well, Larry, uh, I, I already know somebody that can really use your help, and I, I'm going to send them your way. Um, and uh, you know what? we got to move on. we got to finish this. Larry, is there one more quick sentence you can say it all in?
1: You want to close on me? Yeah, I have you know what? To. I'm, here. I'm here to help. You know how to get a hold of me. Keep listening to the felony podcast. These guys are doing a great job. I'm happy to be on their team and help out in any way that I can. And just remember that if you get popped and you get arrested and they advise you of your right to remain silent, Keep your fucking mouth shut. <laughs> if you don't know the answer that to something...
0: solid advice. And, uh, if and- you
1: don't know... Listen, if you don't know the fucking answer to something, say you don't know. Do not lie, because if you lie and you get caught, and you will, they are going to hit you with perjury, they're going to hit you with obstruction of justice. Best thing to do, you have the right to remain silent, you keep your fucking mouth shut.
0: The Good work, hey, hey, everybody, Wall Street, Wall Street Prison com, And that's Larry Levine. I want to thank you so much for being on the show, Larry. Uh, next hey, week's Hey, anytime, guest. guys. All right. We're going to have you on again because uh, if you'll do it, because we didn't hardly even get started. Sure. Next week's guest is Kelly Raths. R-A-T-H-S, a chaplain in the Oregon prison system. Lad, that's right up your alley, isn't it? That's right. Lad would have been a chaplain if they would have let him. Join us this and every week live at 10 a.m. Pacific time at StartupRadioNetwork.com. If you don't join us live, we may visit your house late at night when you're least expecting it and make you listen. Breaking and entering Lad's ass. This will be full-on breaking and listening.
2: Oh, for Pete's sakes. And coming up after the break is Latino Founder Hour with your hosts, Edgar Navas and Claudia Cardenas. The podcast is usually in Spanish, so que pasa con mis Hermanas, "Y Hermanas. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, nice try. Butchered that one.
2: I did.
1: You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen.
0: Learn. Launch. 10%